0: Good morning, church. Love you guys. Um, it's good to be with you in this way. Uh, if you will open your Bible up with me to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. We are continuing our study through the Gospel of John. And and just as a reminder for us, why are we in the Gospel of John? What are we doing? What is our goal here, why did we pick this gospel? And and we knew um, this was last summer. I mean, it was a year ago that we decided to uh, preach through verse by verse the Gospel of John because it, we just we had a, a feeling um, from the, the best we could tell that our church was heading into uh, some uh, a transition, maybe some turbulence, maybe some uncertainty. And our, and our hope was that together, no matter what was going on in our church, and little did we know what would be going on in the world, um, that we together could simply behold Jesus week after week, Sunday after Sunday, that the word of God, as we look at Christ, would just go deep into our hearts and sustain us through the week as we were just thinking on and pondering the, the person of Jesus. And praise God that we have been in the gospel of John and that is our heart and our hope that we would just together continue to look at Jesus. Let me just say to you, no matter what's going on in your life, in the world, in our church, please keep looking at Jesus. Keep looking at him. He is the one who never changes. He is the one who is always faithful. As we learned last week in him, there is no shadow of turning. He is perfect and holy and righteous. So keep looking at Christ. And that's what we're gonna do together in our text. We're gonna read verses 12 through 20. And the title of this sermon is A Light-Filled Life. So let's hear from God together. John chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. come. Jesus, we thank you for your word, for the truth in your word that you are the light of the world, that you are holy, that you are perfect and righteous and mighty, that you lead us by your light, you protect us by your light, that Jesus on the cross, you faced ultimate darkness so that your people who look to you would never face darkness darkness. And we thank you that you give us the light of our salvation. And all will be well for those who have beheld you, Jesus, who have seen your face. And so Spirit of God, right now, wherever we're at, wherever we're sitting or listening, would you help us to see the light that is Christ in your word? Open our eyes to behold the light in your word this morning. You are able to do that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we know, as we were reminded last week, we live in a dark world. And this is a particularly dark season of the world. This is a particularly dark season for many people in the world. The shadow of death just hangs like a fog over our world right now. And we're, we're, people are asking and wondering, what is true? Where can I find hope? How do I know the way I should go? How do we get through the valley of the shadow of death? And, and it is to this dark world that Jesus stands up and says, I am the light of the world. And, and this morning, This, this text, what we're really doing as, as this text unfolds is, is we're applying that truth. What does it mean for us that Jesus is the light of the world? What, what is a life that has seen the light in Jesus? What is a life that has, that, that, that light has come into? What is a life that has beheld Christ and seen His light? What does that life look like? How do you know if you've seen the light? What does a life look like if you haven't seen the light? And so as we work through our text, we're we're gonna just uh, see this text in three points, Um, three characteristics, if you will, of a light-filled life. And the first characteristic of someone who has seen the light of Jesus is this. They walk in the light. You would walk. You you walk in the light. Again, let's just look at verse 12. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Now hear this. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, this text unfolds before us and we see, we see really negative examples. We see the Jews who have not seen the light in Christ and aren't walking in the light. And, and we see what their life looks like, a life that has not beheld the light. But for a Christian, one who has seen the light, one who believes in Christ, one who follows Him, He says they will not walk in darkness. They will not walk in darkness. Now, sadly again, for those who have not yet beheld Christ, they are walking in darkness. I want us to see the way God describes a life that that is not filled with light. Uh, Proverbs 2 verse 13, hear this. It's talking about Men who, who don't, do not walk in the light. And it says in verse 13, they forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked, who are devious in their ways. Again, if you are following Jesus, if you are on the path following him, you're walking in the light. But if but if not, your path is the way of darkness. The Bible says those who aren't walking with Christ are walking in a path that is perverse and crooked, and they're devious in their ways. Proverbs just a few chapters later in four, chapter four nineteen describes it this way: The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what They stumble. If you aren't following Jesus, you're stumbling and you don't even know why you're stumbling or what you're stumbling over. Like you're walking through the house at night and and you stumble. A funny example just came to mind. I was walking through this very sanctuary the other day and the lights were off and I didn't know that the pulpit was on the ground and, and I walked straight into it. The pulpit fell over. I'm falling over it. I didn't know. I didn't even understand what was happening. I was just stumbling in the darkness. I didn't even know. The, the Bible says if, if you are not following Christ, you are stumbling and you don't even understand what is going on. Isaiah chapter five, the prophet Isaiah describes what it is to walk in darkness this way. Isaiah five, verse 20, it says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Those who do not walk with Jesus and follow Christ call good things evil things and evil things good things. I don't know something that more describes what we are beholding in our own nation, in our own state these days. You call what is good, evil. And what is evil, good. Few more, I want us to see this because this is the dark backdrop to which the light of Christ shines. In Romans chapter one, Romans chapter one, describing all of us, describing every person before They come to behold salvation and light in Jesus. And Romans chapter one, verse 21, it says this, for although, this speaks of all people, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. The Bible says every person knows there is a God regardless of what they say they believe, every person knows there is a God, but, but the natural heart bent by sin that we've all inherited from our first parents, Adam and Eve, we deny God and we don't give thanks to him and we don't honor him and our own thinking becomes futile and our hearts become dark. And often, you know, the thought is, well, listen, people just don't know They just need education. They just need a better environment. People are are good. And if you just give them a chance, they will be good. But Jesus says in John 3, we've we've just read this uh, a bit ago. It says this, John 3, verse 19, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. Listen, the, the problem is not that there's not enough light. It's not the problem. The light has come into the world, but look what it says and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. The state of humanity is such that even when light is shining, we run from it. It's not that we don't see it, it's that we don't wanna see it and we want to be in darkness because of our evil deeds. That is the state of every person on this planet. And yet Jesus says, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me. And and that's just another way of saying whoever believes in me, because if you believe in Christ, you follow him. To follow Christ is, is just looking at faith from an external perspective. How do you know if someone believes in Jesus? Well, they're following him. And he says, they will follow whoever follows me. How do you know if someone's really following Jesus? Is it an intellectual agreement? Is it that one time they came forward to make a decision? How do you know? What does a light-filled life look like? What does it look like to follow Jesus? Jesus says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. To have a light-filled life, to really follow Jesus means you Follow. You walk in the ways of Jesus. You do not walk in the dark. You do not call what is evil good and what is good evil. You are not wise in your own eyes, but you say, "I want to. I want to know what Jesus has said." And and I just want to draw out two really practical ways the Bible talks about how, what does it look like to walk in the light. There are so many, so many, uh, ways we could go here, but, um, just, I just want to highlight two. The first is this. You don't, you don't hide the light. As Jesus said in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. And, and what he is speaking to is you are willing to speak about Jesus, the light to whoever whoever crosses your path, whatever opportunities you get, those who are following Jesus aren't hiding their light under a bushel. They are willing to display that light. One pastor put it this way, Leon Morris said, speaking of Christians who are following Jesus, who are being lights in the world, he says, they having kindled their torches at his bright flame, Show to the world something of his light. And that's important because again, we get our light from Jesus by his grace. We don't muster up our own light, but we go to Christ and and we behold him and we spend time with him. And as we do so, we, we get something, we light our torches at his light. And then we bring our little torches, our little lights to the world wherever we go and, and the world sees something of Jesus in us. And really our job is not to be, to, to do all that Jesus does, but we just testify. We say, hey, I got this light from Jesus. Come with me to the source of my light. Even in our weakness, even in our timidity, even as we stumble in our words, we still have the light of Christ. And our job is simply to bring people to the source of the light. And so one application is we don't hide that light, that hope that we have. Now the second, and one that Jesus is directly speaking of here, is this, we we walk in the light, we are holy, we obey Jesus. We do what he says to do. A few passages I want us to see this in, Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five, what does it look like to walk in the light? Ephesians five. I'm just. I'm actually going to read a, a a little chunk here, um, and just to, just let the word of God. This is more than enough application in and of itself. So just hear these words from the the apostle Paul. Ephesians five, verse eight. We'll read through uh, verse twenty one. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That is what it looks like when the light of Christ shines on you. We simply walk in the light. One more passage I I wanna read for us. What does it look like to walk in the light? First Thessalonians chapter five, same, I'm just gonna read a chunk of verses. Let these verses speak for themselves. Verse four, speaking to Christians, you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but keep awake and be sober. And and sleeping here is that metaphor of spiritually, just um, spiritually sleeping. He says, for those who sleep, sleep at night and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We, if we have seen the light, are to walk in the light, not to do things that we wouldn't want people not to see, not to be sinning in the darkness, but to walk in light. And let me just say this, the first evidence of a Christian, the first proof that you are walking in the light is this, this is surprising, that you would actually confess your sin, that you would confess your sin, that you would bring your sin out of darkness and into the light. That is step one to turn from whatever it is you are keeping in the dark. Whatever you do not want God or others to see and you are willing to come out of the darkness into the light. Now, why would you be willing to do that? Well, because of Christ. Because on the cross, He faced darkness. The wrath, as it says, we're not destined for wrath because we have found Jesus. And Jesus took that wrath, that darkness on the cross so that we, can come out of darkness into the light. Adam and Eve ran away and hid. But those who have seen Christ come out of the dark and they confess their sins both to God and is, it is so important for us to be willing even to confess to one another. That is a mark of a, spirit, of, a, of a light-filled life when the Spirit of God so convicts you to bring your sin out to the light. That is evidence. Christian, that you are truly saved, that you would bring your your sin out of darkness and into the light. And let me just ask you, when was the last time you confessed, truly confessed the whole truth about a sin that you committed? When was the last time you brought it to a brother or sister and said, I need to confess this sin? When have you brought that, that, that sin out of darkness and into the light? And so the the first great mark of a a light-filled life, someone following Jesus is that we walk in the light. Now, the second is this. The second truth is this. A light-filled life, what, what is the second mark? You see the words of Christ as true. You see them and you accept them. You believe them. You take Jesus at his word. Uh, we'll we'll work through verse 13 all the way down to verse 18. And we'll kind of comment as we go. So just look with me at verse 13. So the Pharisees, so Jesus makes this great statement of, he's the light of the world. And those who really see him walk in the light. Now, what do the Pharisees say? The Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. You see the mark of one who is not walking in the light is you reject Jesus, the source of light. They're saying to Jesus here, on what authority can you say you are the light of the world? On what authority? They're discrediting his claims, his words, by by discrediting his authority. They're saying, who are you? Who you, who, Who do you think you are to say light and truth and life are found in you? They're rejecting his word, they're rejecting the light. But look what Jesus says in verse 14, Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You see the way they discredited Jesus is by by saying, listen, you can't just say about yourself, you're the light of the world. And Jesus responds and says, yes, I can. He says, my word is sufficient. If all that was stated is, is, if all that happened is Jesus himself declared something to be true, that's enough. If all we had was the very testimony of Jesus, that alone is enough. He says, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. And why is that? Because he says, I know where I came from. He said, I'm the son of God, the second person of the Trinity. I am God. I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. I'm going back to God. And so the very words of Christ have the authority of God in them. And the mark of a light-filled life of one truly following Jesus is they are willing to accept the words of Jesus as true. Because the words of Jesus are the words of God himself. And then what he says in verse 15, he, they accuse him. And then really what he does is he kind of turns the tables on them. In verse 15, he says, you judge according to the flesh. And what he means there, that word judge, krino in the Greek, simply means, um, to discern, to divide, to, 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 to know what is true. And, and so what he's saying is the way you decide things, the way you decide what is true is according to the flesh, according to the natural sinful human mind. And then he says, he says, verse 15, I judge no one. Now what he means there is not that he never judges because again, we see in other chapters, even in the gospel of John, that judgment has been handed to him. What he's saying is I don't judge the way you judge. He's saying you judge according to the flesh. I judge according to what is true. My judgment is true. You judge according to the natural human mind, but I am God. And what I say goes because my judgment is true. And he says in verse 16, again, he confirms that, even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the father who sent me. And what he is saying again is my judgment has the authority of God, the father behind it. I have true judgment. And then he applies this to their own standards in verse 17 and 18. He says, in your law, it is written, the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself and the father who sent me bears witness about me. And what he's simply doing there is he's applying their own standards and saying, even according to your standards, what I say is true. And the bottom line is this, the bottom line for you is this, a light filled life accepts Jesus at his word. What he says is true. What other authority would you want to appeal to than the very authority of God himself? What other way would you want to know what is true than the one who is truth himself? What other way, what other person, what other group or source of knowledge would, would we look to but God himself, the one who made us and in whom we live and have our being, the one who sustains and upholds the universe by his word. Jesus says, those who are following me, who have the light of life, they accept me and my words as true. And so the first way we know a light-filled life is we walk in the light. The second is we accept Jesus at his word. And the third mark of a person who is filled with the light of Jesus is this. You know God. You know him. You have seen him. Look with me at verse 19. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know, neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. If you knew me, you would know my father. These people know a lot about God. They intellectually believe in God. They know a lot about his word. But they didn't know him. They didn't truly know God. Now, it's important here to to make a a distinction um, of what exactly does it mean to know God in this text. There are two key words in the New Testament for for knowing and for for knowing God. The one key word is the is the Greek word gnosis which has to it this sense of intimacy. It's a euphemism um, for the intimacy between a husband and a wife. It's a relational, deep relational knowledge, gnosis. And then the other word, to know God, um, is the word, it's O-I-D-A, oida. And that word has this sense of seeing, understanding, to to look at and comprehend. Now, both are important for a Christian. You must see and understand and you must experience and truly know in a deep intimacy. Now, it's interesting because Jesus here is speaking about light. He's speaking about um, beholding the light. He is the light. He's speaking of, of truth and how do you know what is true? And so again, both are essential for the Christian, this deep uh, intimacy and this sight. And in, in this text, in verse 19, it's the word oida. It's the word for to see, to comprehend, to understand. And so what Jesus is saying is you guys know all kinds of facts, But you don't even see God clearly or rightly. You don't know God. You haven't seen God. You haven't seen the light. And, and and again, the Bible says no one can see God. No one can see God and live. First Timothy six, God dwells in unapproachable light. And so it's this baffling idea how could someone know god how could someone see the one who is unapproachable he's infinite he's not like us he's eternal we can't even get our minds around it how can someone see god jesus answers that in this verse verse 19 he says if you knew me you would know my father In other words, he's saying, if you see me, you would see the Father. How can one see and understand and behold God? Through Jesus, through Christ. Again, God is in unapproachable light. God is holy. None, none of us can see God and live. We are all sinners. We are all born in sin and lost in darkness. And what hope is there for us? Well, there is Christ. And when you look at God through Jesus, through faith in Jesus, the person and work of Jesus on the cross, God, the Holy One, who is an unapproachable light, suddenly becomes a friend of sinners. God, who is incomprehensible and eternal, suddenly becomes the Father, your Father. Through Jesus, Jesus alone, through faith in the gospel, the good news about Jesus, you can see God. You can behold God. He is the way to the Father. He is the door. All the demands and laws of scripture are satisfied in Christ and you are accepted and can approach God whose throne is a throne of grace, your sin and your guilt is forgiven and you can, can truly behold in faith God. You can approach him. You can see him. You can know him. And when you behold Christ and, and truly see him and understand him and comprehend him, then that other type of knowledge comes in where you can then have true intimacy with God and his very spirit is coming forth from the Father and the Son and it enters into your life and you can enjoy intimacy with God. You can have the very presence of God. You are called the temple of God. When you see God through Christ, you can truly know God. And that darkness, that confusion, the shadow of death, the very fear of death is removed for you will have the light of life." And so I wanna close by asking you, are you you following Christ? Are you walking in the light? Do you trust Jesus at his word? Even the very parts where you wish it didn't say, oh man, that's so hard, I, I believe most of his word. No, do you take him fully at his word, his word that cannot be broken? And and let me ask you, do you know God? Not just know some things about him, do you know him? Have you seen him? And if you haven't, the Bible describes salvation simply as turning from your sin, from your darkness, and turning to Jesus and saying, Christ, have mercy on me. And that is beholding Christ by faith, by believing that on the cross, he died for your sin. And when you trust in him, you will be forgiven. Even today, I encourage you to repent, turn from your sin and turn and behold Christ. And Christian, I wanna encourage you today and every day, keep Returning to Him. Keep going back to look at Him, the light of the world. Walk in the light. Bring your, any sin, any unconfessed sin, bring it into the light to Jesus and, and obey Him and walk with Him and follow Him. Because again, how miserable it is to walk in darkness. How often do we stumble over what we don't even know? We can't see the way. We're afraid, but in the light, how good is it to walk in the light? How freeing is it to walk in the light, to not have the guilt of unconfessed sin, to have the very word of God leading us like a lamp unto our feet. Christian, walk in the light, follow Christ, Repent of any unconfessed sin, and you will have the light of life. Jesus, we thank you that you are the light of the world. All of our hope is in you. Where else would we go? Where else would we find truth? How else would we know how to walk, Lord, in our own darkened minds and understanding? We confess we need you. You are the light of life, Lord. If anyone has not yet turned to you, would they do so today? And if any Christian has been wandering in darkness, lead them, Holy Spirit, out of darkness, back to Christ. And I thank you, Lord, that this text ends with the words, these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. And Jesus, we know that means your hour refers to your death, your death on the cross, the moment when you faced darkness, when you drank the cup of the wrath of God. And Lord, I thank you that you did face your hour, that it did come so that those who have turned towards you would never face that kind of darkness. But for all eternity, we would have light and life in your presence. All of our hope is in you, King Jesus. Amen.